Good morning. I bring greetings from uh, 10 crazy junior high kids. Um, but we actually had a really great weekend. And so just a little bit about the weekend. I wanted to share some things with you guys that I was really moved by and really touched by. So we had six girls and four boys from Metamora and Roanoke. And of our girls, two of them, three of them maybe, are probably regularly in church. Um, and the rest are grandkids or friends or kind of peripheral kids. And then of the boys, we have Hudson. And then we had three boys from Roanoke. So our group didn't really know each other super well going in. They maybe recognized each other's faces or they had like been at something together. But by last night, everybody had their arms around each other. They were swaying to the music together and they were a community. They were giving each other a hard time as junior hires do. I might have been the one egging that on. They were encouraging and cheering for each other on the volleyball and the basketball court, which, mind you, we won both tournaments. Thank you very much. And Naomi won the ping pong tournament, so, you know. Metamora represent. Um, Richwoods went down. Um, but my most proud moment was a moment that happened at the very beginning of the weekend and then just kind of grew and blended together. So we had a leader meeting upstairs in, at Menno Haven, and all the kids went downstairs to have snack. This was about 8 o'clock, 8.30 on Friday night. I had just gotten there. I had come from Bloomington, met the group. Eric had introduced me to all the kids. We sent them downstairs. We come back up for worship. And the girls are sitting in the front row, and I'm walking down counting to make sure we have them all. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We get to seven, and the one turns to me and goes, I'm not yours. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. But her name's Lydia, and she is the eighth grade daughter of the camp director and his wife, who's the volunteer director. And she was doing retreat, but she didn't have a group. She didn't have a youth group with her, and so she had been sitting at the staff table by herself, and our girls went over and said, hey, you're sitting by yourself. Why don't you come sit with us? I think Naomi had recognized her from when she had been at camp before. I think Iris had seen her at camp before, but they didn't know her. They weren't friends. By this morning, they are family. Lydia was part of our group the entire weekend. Last night, she was super mad at her mom that her mom wouldn't let her sleep in our cabin last night. Mind you, we didn't sleep, but that's okay. <laughs> if you are building junior high girls, you understand. But it was this beautiful picture of when we listen to the Holy Spirit, we can experience new relationships, new movement, and a new understanding of what community is. And it was a beautiful picture for me as a reminder that I need to open up my circle, but also of what God can and does do in and through us in community. And so I want to come with that image today to our passage, because I think that our junior hires and their experience 
of loving one another really well and welcoming somebody in is a great example of responding to the Holy Spirit when you're rooted in your knowledge of who you are and whose you are. And so we come to our passage today in Luke, where Jesus comes out, is baptized, right? So in earlier in Luke, a couple weeks ago, we talked about Jesus being baptized. And when he comes out of the water, God, through the Holy Spirit, speaks to him and says, this is my son, with whom I am well pleased. The beloved. And the identity of Jesus is spoken to Jesus, but also to those gathered through the Holy Spirit. And then we see in Luke that the Spirit leads Jesus out into the desert for 40 days of temptation. And in those 40 days, Jesus' relationship with God is strengthened and deepened and grounded in a way that when he's invited into sin, into temptation, he's able to say, no way, that's not who I am. It's not what I'm about. Because he is deeply rooted in his identity as the beloved, the son of God, the one with whom God is well pleased. And then we come to the beginning of our passage today, Right after the devil has finished tempting Jesus and he leaves him until an opportune time, I think those words are so interesting, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. I want to stop there for a second. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. He is filled. He is embraced by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is embodying the Spirit. Not because of anything he has done, not because anything that others have done, but because he is rooted in the truth of who he is, and he has grown deep into his relationship with God through his baptism and through his time in the wilderness. It is this that allows Jesus to move with the Spirit. The Spirit is filling him, and he is able to move as the Spirit leads. And so he is, returns to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. So he goes around, and he's teaching, and everyone's praising him. And he goes into the synagogue, because it's the Sabbath, and that's what you do when you're a good Jewish man like Jesus was. And he goes into the synagogue, they hand him the scroll, and he unrolls it. Now, I think when I read this passage, I usually am like, he does what we do sometimes when we're trying to proof text. Like, okay, what does the Bible say about this? What should I find? I need to find a text that tells me what I want to hear. But that's actually not what happened. He's handed the scroll, and it's the lectionary text for the day. It's the text that they're supposed to read. Jesus doesn't go scrolling through Isaiah to try to find what, what he wants to find. It's what's there. By the power of the Holy Spirit, this passage is the one to be read by the person reading the text today. And this passage from Isaiah 61 reads, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, 
to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. This passage, this passage in Isaiah comes out of a season when God is speaking to Isaiah about who Isaiah is to God. In chapter 60, God is saying to Isaiah, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the people. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Isaiah the prophet was speaking in a time that darkness prevailed, that sin was evident, that people did not have a strong relationship with God. And yet God makes the promise in Isaiah 60 that he is upon Isaiah and that he will be with Isaiah and that if Isaiah is rooted in him and standing in who God speaks Isaiah to be, that his words will set captives free, that his actions will proclaim good news, that his life and ministry as he brings the word of God to the people of Israel, will proclaim the freedom and release from darkness, that it is the year of the Lord's favor. But Isaiah cannot believe these words and cannot stand in these words until he knows who he is and whose he is. And that is what God speaks to him in chapter 60, that he is a child of light, in a world of dark, and that the Spirit of the Lord is upon him. And these are the words that Jesus opens up to. Words that are spoken by a prophet who knows who he is and whose he is, and then now being spoken by a Messiah who has grown and rooted in his understanding of who he is and whose he is. And so rooted and listening to the Spirit, Jesus is then moved into ministry. In the rest of the book of Luke, we will hear about a man who knows that his identity is in God and that he lives into what the Spirit has for him. It's not always well received. We ended this passage where Jesus gives a scroll back and goes and takes a seat. But this passage goes on to the people being like, get out of here, dude. We don't want you. You're not welcome in your hometown. The word of God isn't always well received through Jesus. But he knows who he is and whose he is. And he is open to hearing and to being part of what the Spirit is doing. And as he moves with the Spirit, the world around him is changed. As with junior hires, I need more coffee. So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us individually and us as a community of faith? First, do we know who we are and whose we are? Have we heard God speak the words that you are the chosen, the beloved, do we believe God is pleased with us? Do we believe that God loves us so deeply 
and desires the best for us in all things. Are we rooted in our identity? Not of the world, but in our identity in Christ as God's children? Because when we're not rooted, everything around us pushes us a different direction. Yeah, the Holy Spirit might come and try to blow us, and sure, we'll go over here and praise God. God is good, awesome, and then all of a sudden, we've got something political coming this way, and I just need to, I need to come over here a little bit and sway away from what God really wants from me, and I need to focus on politics and divisiveness and anger and just be so engrossed in the reality of the world, and then, oh, the Holy Spirit's coming back. I'm going to come over here. It's a good little journey. I'm a little tired. When I'm not rooted, when I'm not grounded in who I am, I get pushed around, and I get tired. I get tired real quick. There's been major seasons in my life that I felt like I was following God's call, and I felt like I was serving God, but I was so exhausted in everything I did. And the reason that that was happening as I look back is not because I was working too much. I was, but, you know, that wasn't the reason. And it wasn't because I was saying yes to too much. I was, but that wasn't the reason. But it's because I was not grounded in anything other than what others thought of me, other than the success of the ministry I was doing, and the situations that were affecting me. And so when things would go poorly, when someone wasn't happy, when someone would speak in a way that made me feel like I was less than, I was swayed away from what God had for me and found my exhaustion level would soar. And as I've grown over the last few years to be more transparent, to start to have conversations about my own life and what God is doing in my life, as I've spent time at the seasons in silence and solitude and learned to be silent with God, as I've learned to be rooted in who God says I am and allow that to guide how I live my life, but not let the voices of the outside or the situations around me control that, but to truly stand rooted in the fact that I am loved, that I am worthy, that I am a child of the one true king. As I learn to do that, my exhaustion level seems to drop. And I seem to be able to preach, to serve, to play, to enjoy life in a different way. Because it's not about them. It's about God. It's about my relationship, my heart, and where I'm putting my roots. If I'm rooted and know who I am and whose I am, then this passage has purpose and meaning. Only then. Because we can believe these words about Jesus, that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. 
He was anointed to proclaim the good news to the poor. He was sent to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery for the sight of the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord favor. Yeah, he was. But brothers and sisters, the reality is, as children of God, as heirs of Jesus, as people who are called to live a life worthy of the calling to which we are called, as the Apostle Paul says, when we know that we are loved, forgiven, free sinners, this is our call. We, too, are called. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us. He has anointed us to proclaim good news to the poor. He has set us free to proclaim freedom for the prisoner, recovery of sight in the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He has that for us. He has that for you. Yes, you. And he has that for me. He has that for those who know who we are and whose we are. When we are rooted in our identity in Christ, we are able to move with the Spirit, not across, but by flowing, by grooving, by listening and hearing and being part of what God is already doing in our world. This weekend, Kim spoke, the speaker, Kim, spoke about making an impact. She talked to the junior hires about what does it look like to make an impact in the world you live in? What does it look like to make an impact with your friends? What does it look like to make an impact with the, instead of being popular, doing the right thing? Instead of being a clique, being a community? How can we make an impact in the world we live in? And I think this passage speaks to the reality that when we know who we are and who we are, we get to make an impact in the world that we live in. And not because I'm trying too hard, but it's because who I am. So what impact can I make in the world today? How can I bring good news to those who need it? Who do you know who is a prisoner? Whether that's an actual prisoner or somebody who's in bondage to some form of slavery, maybe an addiction, depression, anxiety, who's struggling in a marriage, who's struggling in singleness, who finds that there is something holding them captive. How is God calling you today to make an impact for him in their life? How has he sent you to bring sight to the blind? Who are the people in your life who maybe right now are not seeing the truth? Who are struggling with an actual health issue and God is calling you to pray with and for them? What impact can you make in their life? How is God calling us to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor? I don't know about you, but I'm ready for 2022 to be the year of the Lord's favor. And we get to be part of that. As we're rooted in who God calls us to be, we get to say, 2022 is going to be the year that God has blessed and will bless. 
2022 is a year that God will use and has already used us. What impact can I make? What impact can you make? As we think about who we are and whose we are, as we're rooted, as we're moving with the Spirit, can we experience the power of the Holy Spirit to be led, filled, and embraced like Jesus? Can we stand and hear God speak those words over us, that we are loved, that he is pleased with us? Those can be scary words at times. And yet letting ourselves hear those, are we willing to do that? Are we willing to be led by the Spirit? I loved the book that Ron just read. This idea of change and that change sings. That it is a song that is part of our world. Amanda Gorman is an absolutely beautiful wordsmith. She's young and amazing and just brings this passion. And yet she knows the reality of a world that is not going one direction. Our world changes constantly. Can we be led by the Spirit? Can we be embraced by the Spirit? Can we experience the power of the Holy Spirit? I think that ultimately is the real question, right? I think as mainline Christians, we're really good at being comfortable and knowing who we are and whose we are. The Holy Spirit's really uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable for me. I grew up in a Methodist and Presbyterian church. I never heard the words Holy Spirit until I went to college. And even then, it was just this thing we talked about as part of the Trinity. And... But the Holy Spirit is powerful. It leads, it guides, it embraces, it fills, it propels us forward to be who God needs us to be. So can we experience the Holy Spirit in this place and outside this place, as vessels of God and his work in the world. Can we believe it and not just, can we experience it and not just believe it? Can we live into the power of the Spirit and not just know the Spirit? How can we make an impact today, tomorrow, and in our world, rooted, loved, and moving. Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon us, like it was upon Jesus. And I love, I'm going to end with, in Isaiah 61, verse 7. Isaiah says, Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion, and instead of disgrace, you will re rejoice in your inheritance. And so we will inherit a double portion of your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. Brothers and sisters, when we are willing to be rooted in the truth of who God tells us we are, and standing firm in that, we're willing to move with the Spirit, there is no more shame. There is no more disgrace but we have an inheritance of everlasting joy and we get to bring that to others. And that is good news. Amen?
Thank you, Sarah. Amen, church. Amen. Woo! <laughs> I'm excited. I don't know about you guys, but woo! Thank you so much. Thank you. And, um, you know, just kind of continuing with some of those themes, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, works in amazing ways. Amen. And uh, it's sometimes that's through relationship. Uh, um, many times it's through relationship. And uh, so I want to invite uh, Art and Crystal and Jay and Alicia up here. Um, uh, as Art and Crystal will be uh, 